go ahead and go full zoom. Let me grab a less squeaky chair. This thing is just like really loud. Hang on. <laughs> All good. It's weird like singing about a podcast audio and being like, oh yeah, I can't have like an old crappy uh, drum stool that I practice on because it doesn't matter. <laughs> now it does. Uh, okay, let's see. Whoop, now we're way shorter. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'm sitting on a milk crate now. Sweet. Welcome to 10 out of 10, the show where we talk about things that are 10 out of 10 things. This is 10 out of 10. I'm Joseph Maxwell. Joining me today is musician Alec Schumann. How are you doing today, Alec? Uh, it's another beautiful sunless day in Cleveland. So <laughs> we had sun yesterday, though. That was that was nice. But yeah, um, I did not go outside, but it was pretty nice. <laughs> I actually uh, I took a uh, a really long walk, and uh, mm. but the problem is I took it at night, so I didn't even see the sun. But I got to see like <laughs> the clear skies and just be like, wow, the universe is big and stuff. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, <laughs> Oh, a rare, a rare clear sky day. Oh yeah, I did forget to ask. Uh, I know we're in the program. Am I allowed to swear or no? Uh, you can. Yeah, cool. no worries. Okay. <laughs> I might just slip out. I'm very passionate about MIDI, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm excited to get into MIDI, your topic today. But, um, you know, before we jump into that, I definitely wanted to just get a little background information about your relationship to music. I know you are a musician. I don't know too much about you, though, so I'm very curious to hear more about how you got into music, like what you listened to as a kid and, and how your journey started. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess let's go all the way back. Um, my The first time I remember being like, wow, music is a cool thing. I was a toddler. I was at my aunt's wedding, and I remember like this more got me i say i would say into drums than anything else but i remember seeing the band that they uh the wedding hired mm -hmm. and seeing the hi-hat stand moving up and down and i just remember <laughs> being like that's magic how is that happening because like you know i was like yeah. three or four it's one of my earliest memories is like seeing a hi-hat wow. move and i'm just like wow that's cool <laughs> um that doesn't really answer the question though i'm sorry uh <laughs> how'd you get from there to where you are now you know probably yeah. a lot lot between that <laughs> At first, I bought a hi-hat stand, and then the mystery was – magic was gone. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, when I was younger, I had, like, toy keyboards and stuff as a toddler, and mm -hmm. I would play them. And we had, like, a an organ growing up uh, in my old house before we moved. Sweet. And I'd, like, fiddle on that and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I first seriously started, like, getting into music. Uh, my mom would play stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, she would always play CDs. Well, yeah, and, what kind of stuff? Um – she was cool, so it'd be like a, like this was like the mid '90s at this point. So like there was a lot of REM that I remember. Mm -hmm. Like I knew the words to a lot of REM before I knew like the words to a lot of nursery rhymes. <laughs> um, yeah, and if there was like a, a hit radio, uh, like a radio hit, like in the alt indie kind of not indie necessarily, but like you know alternative rock, quote unquote, when that still meant something, mm -hmm. uh, she would buy that CD and like listen to it. Nice. Um, so I have a lot of memories of like, you know. That one song where it's like, uh, for the life of me, I cannot remember. That's probably all I can sing without getting copyright. You're oh, yeah. getting the podcast in trouble. But I, um, I, I, I think I can place the song, but I don't know the name of it. I want to say it's like the Verve Pipe is like somewhere in there. 
This that is gonna sounds... bug me, but I'm not gonna dethrone. I'm not gonna like dethrone the podcast. Dethrone's the wrong word. I'm not gonna like derail. Uh, derail. Thank you. I'm not gonna take over your podcast to look over. You're this. not gonna. You're not gonna Game of Thrones me. <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, yeah, I can't even follow that up. I'm sorry. Um, this is going great so far. Uh... <laughs> it's fun. It's fun for me. I well, my parents were deadheads, so like all I listened ah. to was. Grateful Dead, like live albums of Grateful Dead yeah. when I was growing up. And then, you know, I kind of around middle school, I'd say, is when I started getting into like my own music. That's when I listened to like the Beatles and stuff. Like right. what kind of stuff did you listen to as a, as a preteen and kind of getting into high school? Um, really up until like I would say fifth grade, I almost exclusively listened to Weird Al as a kid. <laughs> yes. Um, that was definitely my first couple CDs. But then uh, Gorillaz dropped uh, Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being like enthralled. I was just yeah. like, you can, you can do this. And so mm-hmm. I got really into that. I, I got, I was very into that band for a long time. I still kind of am. But yeah. Um, like I was like, wow, this is like music could be cool sounds too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of bounced around like, you know, I listened to the Beatles. I listened to a lot of stuff you do, like preteen, mm-hmm. um, went through a Zeppelin thing. <laughs> um, in middle school, I started getting into like the weirder stuff I could find. I nice. can't remember if this is middle school or high school, but uh, Adult Swim, I remember, dropped a Stone's Throw compilation on their website. Mm-hmm. And being a, uh, a naughty high schooler staying up <laughs> until 1130, I would like watch Adult Swim. And then like yeah. they'd be like, oh, yeah, check out the music from our bumps. And I was just like, what is this? And like, <laughs> so I actually got really into like a lot of like the Stone's Throw kind of like your um, your Jay Dilla's, your, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if like Madlib ever released anything on that. But like just some like really cool ghostly international and Stone's Throw kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um like the precursors, like what we what we call like chill wave now. Yeah. Um. And at the same time, in high school, I was getting really into uh, Neutral Milk Hotel. Was like mm-hmm. exploding during mm-hmm. that period. Um. So I got really into like the Elephant Six stuff. Um. And like every other, I think suburban like musician who's trying to be different, I was really into Radiohead. I was mm-hmm. really into Beck. I was really into the Shins. I lived really close to a guitar center, and like you would hear those three bands just dropped by anybody. <laughs> yeah. Like at any point in time, it was just like you couldn't walk into there without hearing somebody say like, "Yeah, in Rainbows, this is like a modern masterpiece." <laughs> and they were right, but it was also just like, "Oh no, I better." I don't know. That's my relationship with music. I would say up until college. Mm-hmm. When I got like really into what I listen to now, which is like Animal Collective and like mm. a lot of like the general like I guess psychedelic pop hipstery kind of fun stuff. Like if it plays in like a cool coffee shop, uh, I probably have that album mm-hmm. or had it at some point. Yeah, we'll put it there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I remember like I never got as into knowing what the Adult Swim bumps were called, but I always loved watching Adult Swim like. Just those those super chill little like interludes were always like you know a big part of the vibe. So that was always always cool to see. Oh yeah. Um, what what type of like what uh, you mentioned CDs I think, but like how do you listen to music now? Is it do you have like records or a lot of CDs or tapes or like what kind of or just streaming? That's all I do. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I um, I have a love hate relationship with streaming because on one hand. When I was younger, like, if a genie said, okay, you got three wishes, one of them would have been, like, a boombox that could play any song ever made. Yeah. And we have that We have that. Yeah, everybody has it. (laughs) Yeah. On the other hand, it doesn't pay at all. As somebody with my music on streaming services, I've yet to make a penny. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, you know, I'm not, like, any huge rock star by any means yet. But, like, 
Um, you know, so that's my love hate relationship with streaming, but I do like pay for it. So mm-hmm. there's that. Um, I have a very big vinyl collection I'm pretty proud of. Nice. Um, I don't listen to it as much as I would like to, but like if I'm home alone and I'm just like, I would like to relax and do nothing else, I'm going to listen to an album. Mm-hmm. I still try to practice active listening that way, just like, you know, no visual stimulation, just listen to an album and go, yeah. wow, that's really excellent. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you though, I don't have anything that plays CDs anymore, actually, to be honest. Mm. But, um, that went when I gave away my PS2 to a friend. Um, and I was just like, oh, wow, n- none of my computers, nothing. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, disk drives and, just like went the way of the dinosaur. They just don't exist oh, yeah. anymore. <laughs> the only one I actually have in my house at all is my 2011 MacBook Pro, which was my main music computer for a long time. Nice. has a CD stuck in it from a church gig where I had to learn all the music from that CD. <laughs> that um, sounds rough. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things like, continuously that 11 year old computer now well 10 year old computer now it's just like it's got that cantata in it and i'm not complaining it's good music i i liked that gig mm-hmm. but uh it's just one of those it's like well okay i guess that's the cd i have in there now <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is yeah we actually i just got a record player for christmas Ooh. which is fun um uh, we, what kind it's i don't i don't even know i don't know anything <laughs> about fair. i i don't i like setting it up was like you know i'd never done anything like that before because i just always had everything on my phone pretty much but it's it's a it's a totally different experience like than you know making a playlist and clicking through stuff like you know an an actual album it's just it's like you said active listening is so is so important like it's just a different way to listen to music it really is it's like like even uh in my youth like my uh my sister and i uh, on our family computer, like, you know, we prided ourselves in our gigantic collection from iTunes, mm-hmm. which, and my older brother was part of that too, but like, you know, he graduated high school in 2004 before iTunes was like really, really yeah. a thing where you would, you know, before it was like a common thing to go to the library, get a bunch of cool CDs <laughs> and be like, of Montreal, who's this? Sure, I guess. Upload yep. it and go, whoa. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I was also, I grew up on playlists, so, but mm-hmm. I also, like, grew up listening to like an album in one sitting yeah so i feel like that like that i'm still in that point in like streaming where i have a hard time making a playlist for my phone because i'm just like in my head it's like i'm gonna listen to this album through and then i'm gonna go to a different album like <laughs> like unless it's like you know a cool curated like here's new music for you i don't really like i can't like just be like i like these songs and throw them together like i have to just sit there and listen to the album unless yeah. it's like you know a band where it's like i like these two songs and uh, mm-hmm. so um that's yeah, funny. that's. But yeah, I'm glad you're getting into a uh, vinyl. That's a fun thing. It's definitely like, there is the aspect of it that is more, like, oh, check out my excellent collection versus <laughs> I'm going to use this to listen to music. And yeah. If don't I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing necessarily. I, I, think, I think both. It's a thing. Like both things have their merit. Like both are valuable in in their own way. Like I really because one of the one of my least favorite things about streaming is that you don't own anything. Like they right. could just Spotify could just close their doors and i would have no access to all this music that i listen to so like having oh, something super real like having something physical and just like the cover art and all that stuff is so cool and um we got a bunch of old albums like we got like some a frank sinatra album and a couple bruce springsteen albums and like some <laughs> really cool stuff that's just like you know holds up it will hold up for all time so it's it's cool to have like a physical version that i you know i'll be able to listen as long as i have electricity like i can listen to this (laughs) Uh, it it, it is it's like i i have some of my uh my parents old records because they just like 
I was getting into collecting. They're like, do you want these? And I was just like, absolutely. But it's like, you know, I have my mom's copy of Tommy uh, yeah. by The Who. And it's amazing. Like, you know, that was one of her favorite albums growing up. And it's one of my favorite albums growing up. One, one of my, uh, let me take that again. One of my favorite <laughs> albums growing up. Uh, and so it's just like, it's kind of a special thing to have that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, vinyl is uh, a fascinating, beautiful thing. It's a little, uh, it's going through a bit of a hipster revival, but it is also like a thing that, does genuinely sound very excellent mm-hmm. especially by comparison of like 44.1 16-bit cd or like mm-hmm. you know 320 kilohertz mp3 streaming from a phone or something like um but yeah that's audiophile stuff i know we'll, I was, we'll, <laughs> I we'll say, talk music tech pretty soon so. <laughs> yeah. all the all the audiophile stuff kind of goes over my head but um it's still like i, I definitely appreciate it um on on a certain level it's it's fun yeah it's there's definitely a lot of like uh, stickiness, I guess, to it. Like, there's definitely like you know some people who only listen to like the flak file of like a Beatles recording. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, this is the only way to listen to Sgt. Pepper's, and it's like you're also listening through like ten dollar earbuds. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't go as far as to have like headphone amps or anything, but like like the headphones I'm using right now are like hundred dollar monitoring headphones that are mm-hmm. kind of my main go tos right now. Nice. The uh, Sony MDR seven five zero sixes, if anyone cares. Um, <laughs> But it is, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's a weird thing because it's like, as a musician, a lot of my gear is lower end mm-hmm. because that's just like, I, it's more fun to like have a kick drum that I sawed in half and like, <laughs> you know, I'm doing wacky, horrible things to you on stage. That mm-hmm. sounds really weird out of context. Um, and, and I'm just abusing on stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm beating the crap out of it with music. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, I, I've also recorded that stuff at high quality and then press that to vinyl mm. because I was like, well, we recorded it at 96 kilohertz, 24 bit, but you know, the snare drum was $14 all said and done, <laughs> like worth of material put into it. And also how much it costs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's, it's a, it's a funny little game, but it's also like, you know, just because something is cheap doesn't mean it's garbage at the same time, just because something is really high quality according to certain standards doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense, I'm it, just yeah, absolutely. Well, there's so many different music has so many different aspects. Like some of music, you know, you can be a musician and only care about sound, not care about music theory or care about like lyrics or anything like that. And or you can be like you know, like the Mountain Goats, you can be John Danielle and not care at all, like just all lo-fi tape recording, but it's all right. about the song and like and that that sound also is its own thing, even though it's not like quality, but it is it's perfect for what it is accomplishing, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's like, uh, like Kimia Dawson, like I was listening to, uh, remember that I love you earlier today, actually, it mm. uh, popped up on my feed and I was like, Oh yeah, I love this album. <laughs> and it really is. It's like microphone in the middle of a room and like Casio toy keyboards for like a piano part. And it's just like, if this was anything else, it wouldn't be this amazing, beautiful, special thing. Yeah. It's not going to be and, the same thing. So yeah, but it's like, so interesting. Cause like the sound is so part of it, even though it feels like the sound is, not important but it actually like it adds to it it doesn't detract right which is which is cool how do you how do you discover new music this is actually uh it's funny you mentioned this uh i just got asked this the other day which was kind of fun <laughs> um the easy easy way to do it is like you know if you use a streaming service which this isn't like the best way to do it in my opinion but it's definitely a way to do it is just like Go to an artist you really, really love, but it's a discography you've, like, you know, for me, I'm going to just name drop Animal Collective again. Yeah. And then go to, like, the related, related artists tabs. And yep. it's, like, that's how I discovered, like, um, 
Oh, I, uh, Dirty Projectors. Yeah. I've really been digging them a lot lately, and I've nice. like, never really sat down with anything besides that one song that just like pops up, that Swing Low uh, Magellan song. Yeah. Um, so They're... I'm like, actually like digging into their discography, and I'm like, this is excellent. Yeah. Um, you can do that, and then... One of my other favorites is just to ask people, just be like, mm-hmm. hey, what do you listen to right now? Or like, <laughs> you know, Desert Island, you have six albums. What's the third one? Yeah. Um, you know, just gamify it. And then uh, I guess the other one, too, I guess one of my favorites, when it isn't COVID and when it isn't scary to go outside, like <laughs> um, if I get like, you know, a little bit extra from a gig or something, I like to go to a record store and just pick a random album that looks yeah. cool or doesn't look cool at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's my favorite. I've discovered some like some of my favorite music that way. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it, that's how I do it. Yeah, it's incredible how many things you can discover by pure chance, like just out of nowhere things. And I think like for me, I I like you know I use Spotify way too much, so I so much of my music discovery is just clicking around on Spotify and be like, oh, I like this band. Let me check out this band. Like right. like some curated playlist sometimes. Um, but like my favorite way to discover music is to hear what people really love and then like tune into that and like find out like, cause if somebody really loves it, then I know it must at least be compelling in some way, whether or not I'm going to like it. I know that it's somebody's favorite thing. So like, that's right. part of, part of why I wanted to start this podcast was like, talk to people about things that is, are, they're really passionate about. Cause then, you know, I know that it's, it's something that's evoking passion in somebody else so maybe i'll like it too (laughs) i honestly uh when i first reached out i think i think i reached out and i was just like i want to talk about how the beauty of sound can be manipulated you're like you got to narrow it down but like (laughs) which is like yeah it's fair i also like i thought about a couple albums to bring like Mm -hmm. i was was like you know what i i could probably talk about like animal collectives sung tongs or strawberry jam like those are both 10 out of 10s Mm -hmm. um i could talk about uh what's that black moth super rainbow album really a lot of those are 10 out of 10s for me Mm -hmm. and like the band Deerhoof as a whole like it's just like it really is and i think that's the fun part about music too is i definitely have like friends who like they'll show me their favorite album and i'm just like this is really not getting me but like like i think that's my favorite thing is finding something that like um i almost hesitate to talk about it because he's (laughs) a little topical right now but i went to go see john mouse a couple Mm -hmm. years ago yeah um and like you know this was it was like on tour with proto martyr and at the show cleveland band swindolella opened mm-hmm. um and i arrived right at the end of proto martyr which was a little annoying but everyone's mm-hmm. like you gotta check out john mouse this dude's like amazing <laughs> and i was kind of annoyed already but i get there and it's just like wacky synth music and then a dude <laughs> reaching his hand into the audience in like the most 80s overdramatic schlock and just going <laughs> ah and everyone went yeah and i just laughed i was like i'm done with this um so i was a little validated when uh it turned out that that guy was part of like the whole terrorist attack recently yeah i was just like yay i hated that guy before it was cool yes like (laughs) yeah you lucked out on that one (laughs) it was cool though like seeing a room full of people just being like oh this is the greatest and i was like this ain't for me but i ain't gonna like i'm not gonna slam this so it's like you know okay not mine that's fine yeah yeah, um, that's a that's a good not mine. That's fine. That's a good attitude to have. And for some things view. like for yeah. music, I think that's OK. <laughs> yeah. If it's like, you know, something where it tells you to live a life of hatred, maybe yeah. that's not fine. That's not but like fine. if it is like, you know, I'm really into like whittling. It's like, that's fine. Yeah, that's not. As long as you're not whittling, it depends on what you're whittling, probably. Yeah. Like if you don't whittle uh, hate speech. And, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
But if you're yeah. whittling about architecture, that's cool too. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's sense. <laughs> <laughs> as long as as long as nobody is directly hurt by your ideology, then it's probably right. okay. Like, <laughs> that's a, at the end of the day, we're all people trying to enjoy whittling, and <laughs> yeah, that's it. All comes down to that. <laughs> it, it's it's it is extremely interesting that people have such different tastes in so many ways and things just hit people differently um because like sometimes i'll just really click with something and i'll show it to somebody else and they'll be like i don't really don't really right. care but that i mean that's cool though like it's not a bad thing it's just I, I just sometimes i wonder like what makes me like things and what like i don't know have you ever had an experience where you didn't really like a band or a, or a song or or a artist or something and then you eventually like started liking them or the other way around uh oh man that's a really good one um because <laughs> i can think of artists that didn't like immediately i just didn't like and mm -hmm. then i tried again and i just couldn't do it yeah um like <laughs> well, where are some, some of those ones the band sun uh mm. stylizes sun oh yeah uh end parenthesis end parenthesis end parenthesis yeah like I'm also really into like experimental music and like noise stuff mm -hmm. and like droney stuff. I should love that band. I, not, not for me. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I listen to it. And I'm just like, okay, cool. I don't know why. Um, yeah. Bands. Let's, let's see here. A band that I started to love and then didn't love or vice versa. You yeah. know what? The first time I heard neutral milk hotel, I thought it was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was like, this is like, you can, uh, uh, and then like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was just like, yeah, I would say that one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think, there's one in particular. Same thing with of Montreal. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go there. Mm -hmm. um, but lovely, amazing band. I think Hissing Fauna, Are You the Destroyer, is one of the top albums of the 2000s. Wow. Uh, yeah, those are heavy words, I know, but um, <laughs> that was definitely like me in high school being like empowered and just like, uh, that's. I might listen to that album again tonight. I'm not gonna lie. It's been a minute. <laughs> Pop it in, yeah. Yeah. How about you? Like any bands I, where you're less like. I know. I I like asked you that question, and I now I'm trying to think of it for myself because I did not have a good answer for you. Because <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think like, because there's definitely some some that exist and just they're not not coming to mind, but they're out there. They're out there. Well, I like one thing I was gonna mention a little bit earlier is like, uh, when I was a kid the main way I discovered music was like me and my friends would make each other mix CDs and mixtapes and stuff, which was super fun. Um, one of my friends was really into the weaker thans. Um, oh, and yeah. like, I lit, like I listened to the weaker thans on this mixtape he made and I was like, okay, this is fine. And then like, that was like in middle school. And then at like during college or after college, I, I listened to it again. I was like, this is the best band I've ever heard. Like, why was I not <laughs> freaking out about this in middle school? I think I just didn't have the capacity to like understand how impressive the lyrics were and all that stuff. But right. eventually I got there. And so like, that's a band that definitely grew on me quite a bit. You know what? I will say I had a recent, I don't know if this counts, but um, in my youth in like middle school and stuff, uh, my sister introduced me to like the White Stripes, mm -hmm. and I remember like loving that band as mm -hmm. just like you know what they were. Yeah. Um, and then like right out of college, it was kind of fun and cool to hate on them for a minute. Yeah. And I jumped on that bandwagon, and like recently, in the last few months, I remember like YouTube recommended me a video of just like, oh yeah, here's like 
the get behind me satan uh basement session that they did with vh vh1 mm-hmm. and i watched it again and like was just like you know what i know of music and what i know of performance and what i know of everything like this is so good yeah like, every like for as dirty as a performance as this and like for everybody being like oh meg white's not good it's like meg white <laughs> meg white is the perfect drummer for this band because yeah. it's like uh, that's a whole there's a facebook thread i love uh daisy kaplan of the band lung has a has a facebook status from 2014 <laughs> that just says i'm tired of people being saying that meg white is not a good drummer something along those lines mm-hmm. uh it the comments are still going on it seven years later <laughs> wow yeah it's like one of my favorite things in the whole world it's um, amazing shout outs to lung and shout outs to daisy kaplan sweet um so <laughs> well yeah there's the like there are so many people who you wouldn't necessarily call, I don't know, skilled, but like you don't have to be Van Halen to be a great guitarist. Like you don't have to be right. doing insane stuff to to put like to play perfectly for what you're trying to do. It really like I, I think that's a big thing. It's like I think stylistic choices over how do I want to say this? I think if you're doing something and you're doing it really well in a style that is meant for the final product mm-hmm. i think that's better than being well versed and not being able to pull that style off it's like you can be the greatest opera singer in the whole world <laughs> if you can't sing jazz you're not a good jazz singer yeah it's like totally you might know embouchure and technique and you know your your sense and your practicing of portamento and exercises and like you know song stuff mm-hmm. if you can't do i was gonna name a cool jazz standard but i can't think of any right now uh, uh... Good job, Alec. You have a degree in that. But um, <laughs> what came to mind for me was all of me. Oh, that's, that's, that's just good. that's because that's like when I was taking bass lessons. That's like one of the things that I had to learn how to play the melody <laughs> of all of me on bass for no reason. That's a pretty one too. I love. Yeah, I love it. It's. Oh. Well, that's like what comes to mind when I think of jazz standards. So I had like the big. What's it called? Like the. A- fake book the big oh yeah yeah with all the all the jazz standards like i bought this giant book i've never like looked at it really but (laughs) because i can't like i can i can't really read bass music i can't read bass clef so i never never got too into it but i should be able to don't tell people i'm very bad at it but (laughs) i better tell everybody on a podcast but like (laughs) no it's it's a weird thing like a lot of uh i went to school for music Mm -hmm. uh kent state i graduated with a degree with uh percussion performance nice. but you know you do a lot of marimba at kent state or at least you did when i was in that program mm-hmm. um and that's so i did a lot of stuff in treble clef but it's just like i would still just kind of like have to figure like i couldn't just sight read anything in bass clef and now it's like yeah. now i'm this far separated out of music school and you know i still do gigs and stuff but something i've gotten really into over quarantine is actually playing bass and i started wow. taking lessons i started trading lessons with uh jd from the bands uh oni the postal dog mm-hmm. and sure machine and like that crew yeah. shout out to jd so mm-hmm. they and i were trading uh drum lessons for bass lessons nice and uh it reminded me that i was like i never actually learned how to read bass clef i just kind of figured out what like it's like all right so <laughs> you know good boys do fine always Okay, let's this, so this note's F. Okay, yeah. That's, okay, so this one's this far separated from F, so it's C. And mm-hmm. now I'm just like, oh no, like <laughs> I should know all this. Uh-oh. Yeah, I I would just write the note names at the bottom of every single note, <laughs> just like because I just couldn't <laughs> couldn't right. even. My brain didn't didn't work that way. <laughs> it's real. I mean, music school will like you know they will separate out like if you don't think in the way that a music school will teach you teach you like 
the music school will not be gentle with you. It's yeah. very, it's a very rough world. I, I recommend it if you're going to be like a serious, like professional quote unquote musician, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to a select number of schools, but like, if you actually want to know more about certain things in music, like there are so many other ways, there's so many other avenues. Yeah. Um, like the roughest four years of my life was studying at Kent state. It wasn't Kent's fault. It wasn't like, Mm-hmm. that program's fault there's stuff i learned from that program the way it was that i wouldn't have gotten anywhere else mm. but music school is not a fun time uh, <laughs> it's, it's very cutthroat and you learn how to get judged all the time and judge everybody else all the time yeah and then you, you play indie rock shows and everyone wants to hug each other and it's just like this is good <laughs> yeah this is like community and, you know a very not different that, like, vibe <laughs> yeah not that every scene isn't without its problems by any means and that's a conversation for another time but it's like <laughs> i like uh, I, I love just like playing a show at Mayhalls so much more than I ever did. Like, you know, I will take a basement show with like whoever's putting on the show and nobody else. Yeah. Over like Cartwright Hall, just completely packed any day of the week. Mm. Um. Yeah. I feel and, you. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that a little bit, I mean, obviously this is a, a different time, you know, COVID. Oh, yeah. We're not, this isn't really the time to be playing in a packed hall or, or, you know, even a basement <laughs> show. But um, I'm curious about your perception of the difference between playing live versus producing music. Because um, I know, like, for me, I I really like writing songs. I don't really like recording. And I also don't really like playing live. So that's, like, what I like to do. But I'm curious for you, like, do you have a preference? Or, I mean, obviously, they're different experiences. But um, what, do you, what do you think about, like, the different ways to express musical performance? Um, hands down, night and day difference. I will always take a live show over a recording experience. Mm-hmm. But um, I also don't mind recording. Actually, uh, when everything shut down, uh, my bandmate Will Hooper, uh, he and I are in this band, Factual Brains. Mm-hmm. We were on our way to play South by Southwest, mm-hmm. which had gotten canceled. So there was like a million unofficials, and it was just like, oh my god, childhood dream, yay! <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the thing happened. Yeah. And so we decided, well, we had been exposed to each other on the road, so we probably, you know, were about as safe still interacting as much as we could. Mm-hmm. So we just got together and started recording. Nice. Um, and that led to the album Scooter, which you can pick up at factualbrains.bandcamp.com. And Sweet. Uh, highly recommended. It mm-hmm. makes me money. Um, <laughs> well, we don't make any money from it. We're still paying off the vinyl pressing. Anyway, answering your question. Sorry. Yeah. I, had, I had some coffee before this. This is such no, a rambly interview. I'm so sorry. I, it's better for you to be talkative because then I don't have to talk as much. So it works Fair out. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, recording, there's a lot of philosophies around recording that I agree with and some I disagree with. But like mm-hmm. the uh, ideology I go into it with is like when you're recording a take, you're capturing a moment that is happening live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like if I don't like a take, if I didn't feel feel happy in that take i don't use it mm-hmm. um even if it is not as like proficient not yeah. proficient proficient's the wrong word even if it's not as clean i guess we'll just yeah. say yeah yeah um, i get what you're saying yeah and so like like the thing i loved about recording scooter with will was like we recorded that in my parents garage growing that like the one where i like used to like learn how to make music growing up yeah and so we had this like childlike mentality where yeah. it was like okay if we were like if we were both 15 and not like 28 and 32 respectively however old will is um 
you know, if we were both like freshmen in high school and like robots and video games and lasers were cool and stuff, mm-hmm. but we were also professional musicians, what's the album we would make? And so, like, there was very little turning anything away because it was just like it's all silly ideas. But it was yeah. like we were having fun recording, and that yeah. that made the whole much the process so much easier. Yeah. But like, performance is also great because if you mess up, you can just laugh about it. Yeah. It's and so then, ephemeral. Like, yeah, like that's. It's. I used to take like performance very seriously. You know, I came from the music school mentality mm-hmm. of like, you know, you walk on stage, you bow for exactly two seconds, you stand up, <laughs> stone faced, you're behind a marimba. If you hit a wrong note, the reverberation of the hall is gonna let that ring out forever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you go to like a show and so in, like you hit like a drum wrong or if like if I if I I've had like my snare drum fall over on stage and it's just it you start laughing because it's yeah. like. If you start freaking out, everyone's going to be like, uh-oh, what happened? If you start laughing, everyone's going to go like, ha-ha, there really is no point in, like, taking a mistake that seriously. Yeah. Um, that's one of the coolest things about live shows is, like, mistakes add to it. Like, if your snare drum falls over, that's probably the most memorable thing that's going to happen, you know? That oh, yeah. Night. It's, like, exciting to see something happen that's unexpected, and that's not going to happen on a recording in the same way. It's it's kind of like, this is going to be a weird jump, but it's like, I've been listening to, like, D&D podcasts lately. Yeah. I, I promise this is related. Like <laughs> one of my favorite things is like when like, you know, it's kind of a serious moment or like, you know, it's like a big fight and then somebody rolls like a critical failure. Yeah. Cause it's hilarious. Like, it's yeah. just like, Oh no, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like versus like the story where everyone's going to win. It's like, if you don't know, it's really fun. <laughs> um, on, yeah. on the flip side of that, like recording is also cool because you can do stuff that you never be able to do live. Mm. Um, like, I, I've, I've got no shame that I've recorded parts, like, at a slower tempo and then sped it up. Yeah. Um, especially, like, when it comes to, like, bass parts. Like, I'm learning, yeah. but I'm not, like, I'm not at the speed of where you hear parts on, like, you know, for example, Scooter by the band Factual Brains, mm-hmm. which you can pick up at factualbrains.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that one more time. I'm sorry. No, you, I mean, do it as many times as you want. That's, that's Excellent. That's what we're here for. <laughs> we'll, we'll do one more at the end. I'll promise yeah. you that. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, you know, recording, like, you know, Bob O'Reilly, listen to that, like, no one was playing that. It's just some magic yeah. that's happening that, you know, wouldn't <laughs> have happened, but it's... Is that the one where they were using, like, an old organ that was just, like, an auto-tempo? I, I might be mixing stories up. I'm not going to go on the stage. Oh, I, I don't have about. any actual knowledge of this, What? but I have Fair hearsay enough. knowledge is that they just sped up a piano. That's all I have heard. So From what I understand, it was like somebody's childhood, like little, like uh, low re organ that had like an arpeggiator feature on uh, okay. it or like something like that. And they just like sped it all the way up. And it was like, <laughs> it was either that one or it was like they used the, I'm making things up. I used to be such a big fan of the who. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just embarrassing myself now. Um, but yeah. Bob O'Reilly is a great song. So Bob O'Reilly is a great song. That's another episode, but <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'll come back and I'll talk about that song for. Uh, I'll make up stories about it for an hour. Yeah, great. just made up lore that's not based on reality. <laughs> yeah, the seven members of the Who. Uh, dopey, grumpy, sleepy, and John Entwistle. John, not John, John Entwistle. <laughs> Hanging out with six dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on on that note, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll we'll jump right back in and talk about MIDI. Sounds good.
yeah, sorry. I feel like I'm talking really fast. I apologize. No, it's it's. I mean, this is great. This is honestly cool. great. This is a lot of fun. I'm a I'm a very rambly person. I'm a terrible <laughs> rock star because in interviews I'm just like ba 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 ba. I was like, I was completely serious when I said I'm happy that you can talk, so I don't have to talk as much. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that makes yeah. me happy. Okay. Yeah. Please feel free to just keep talking. Um, um, I'm only here to prompt you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so perfect. Well, I like talking about. Uh, both myself and things I like a lot. So this works out. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, I mean, it's a pretty good podcast topic because you can just yeah. make it about whatever you want it to be. So for sure. like real talk, like I, I saw this was a thing and I was just like, yes, like, <laughs> like a podcast where everyone's happy. Like, yay. yeah, that's because I mean, I've listened to so many podcasts or it's just people like ragging on stuff and there's a, that has its place, you know, but I just wanted something like I love when people are happy and excited about like good things in their life. So yeah it's it's uh it's good to to do that so speaking of that as we're back from this break here uh i'm very curious to hear all about midi i know a little bit about it but i want to just know why did you want to talk about this topic um i think i mentioned earlier uh my initial thing was going to be like just sound manipulation and stuff in general and then I kind of saw, I was thinking about that and I was like, well, what's a better way to talk about that? And essentially what I was describing was like a weird form of synthesis. Mm-hmm. But I, as much as I love synthesizers, my main thing, I'm like mostly a drummer. That's like kind of my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And as much as synthesizers have been this very important thing in pretty much all the bands I've ever been in at this point, mm-hmm. um, like most of them, I wanted to bring MIDI because MIDI is the thing that lets me play synthesizers while I'm drumming. Ah. Um, and I just generally, I think straight up that MIDI is like kind of this magic, wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's really, I don't want to speak like super highly of something and then be like, you know, not enough people use it because I don't know. But <laughs> I feel like it's very underutilized. Um, yeah. Even in 2021, like I feel like a lot of people could really benefit from like looking into uh, how to like expand their sound with like. Um, controlling stuff via MIDI. Mm-hmm. So can um, you can you just give a quick rundown of what MIDI is? Absolutely. I read the Wikipedia article today just to make sure I was right. Perfect. So <laughs> I'm going to get some details wrong here. But um, <laughs> MIDI stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface, mm-hmm. M-I-D-I. Uh, and so in the late, like, late, mid-70s, late-70s, synthesizers were everywhere. Suddenly, like, people were, like, actually getting into them as a thing – they were this actually like respected instrument. Finally, like mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, you could synthesize a trumpet sound. Now it's like you could make a synthesizer sound. Yeah, people were actually getting into them. Um, you know, you had people like Giorgio Moroder making like hit disco tunes with them, and you mm-hmm. had that um, that Blondie song that. Heart of glass. That's what's Heart called. of glass. Um, yeah, yeah. And like you listen to it, and there's like a drum machine and like a yeah. thing going on. Yeah. But none of that was synced up. Mm. Like you had synthesizers that only could talk to each other if they had the right components, mm-hmm. um, and usually were the same brands as each other. So you had like CV, which is control voltage, um, which is very popular in like modular synthesizers and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's how you like wire, like if you have like a box of a million wires sticking in and out of it, that's usually control voltage. Mm-hmm. Um, Roland had a thing which was like digital control bus or something like that. It was like a very early prototype of that that didn't quite make sense, but mm-hmm. it was like a company specific thing. Mm-hmm. But 
synthesizers are it's not like a guitar where you can just like pretty much get away with having like the one and that be your tone like yeah you know yeah i mean you, you can do that but it's one of those things it's like you know that's so limiting and like you know people who are into synthesizers like <laughs> you, you see pictures of like uh the name Rick Wakefield comes to mind. I don't know if that's the right name or not, but like, you just like people with like walls of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. keyboards, uh, akimbo. Well, it's um, because like part of it, you know, when you're playing guitar, you're just messing with the notes, but when you're playing synthesizer, like so much of it is all the yeah. sounds specifically. Like a third of the actual instrument sometimes is the keyboard. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, and like everything else is really is it's like tone shaping and like yeah. making it's and which is like amazing and beautiful, but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So in 1980 or 81, the dudes from uh, Sequential Circuits, who later became Dave Smith Instruments and are now actually sequential again, which is mm. kind of confusing but fun. Um, <laughs> like everyone always knows the name like Moog and uh, mm-hmm. you know some of the Japanese companies like Roland. Roland's not Japanese. What am I saying? Uh, <laughs> like Korg and uh, Yamaha and Kawai and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dave Smith is actually very important when you look at like music tech advancements. Mm-hmm. That's a quick aside. Um, cool. But they actually had a proposal with, I want to say Korg, but I don't know if that's right. They basically said, like, hey, can we get a way for, like, these machines to talk to each other? Mm -hmm. And because it was the early 80s and there was, like, a boom in computations and, like, you know, little tiny computers coming up and stuff. And suddenly this stuff, like, microprocessors were starting to become affordable and, like, you know, all that fun stuff. The standardized method became MIDI, M-I-D-I. Um, and like, there's like 1983, I think was the first time that like two products were commercially released from two different companies that could talk to each other finally. Wow. And so MIDI is this thing that is basically magic. (laughs) Um, the standardized, uh, method for a very long time has been the five pin DIN, uh, connector. DIN actually stands for something in German. I'm not going to attempt to say it, but, um, (laughs) you basically have a specific cable, like in from one instrument to the out to the other uh-huh. and it doesn't just sync everything like initially the idea was like okay cool now you can sync everything to a master brain or like a like a clock mm-hmm. and then you could have the synthesizers all super nice and sequenced and quantized to each other and themselves and everything sounds like really neat and organized like a lot of music in the 80s did yeah um you know it wasn't you could do stuff that was like post human you could make these like really insanely fast arpeggios that were actually locked into a tempo and all that fun stuff yeah um and then, as time has gone on, the actual way to transmit MIDI notes has shifted. Um, right now, the popular thing is actually, like, you'll see these on a lot of newer uh, instruments. Instead of the 5-pin cable, it's like a 3.5-millimeter, like, headphone jack with mm. an adapter. Mm-hmm. The actual MIDI council or association, like, this group of elders sitting the elders, at table, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wearing cool robes, and they're playing, like, you know, old Octatracks. <laughs> Not Octatracks. Uh I was going to name a cool old synth, and I can't think of a good one. Uh, playing DX7s, we'll go with that one, sure. Um, I know nothing know. about synths, so I'm going to take your word that that's a... That's I'm a just synth. saying letters and numbers. All I'm I know so is microcorg. That's the only synth. That works. That and you know what? Microcorg doesn't get enough love, but that's a that's another episode. Um, actually, I don't think... I, I couldn't rate that synth on out of In all earnestness. But, uh, yeah, I mean... You, you have, like, basically the idea is you have a universal way for synthesizers to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And especially in the music indus- music tech industry where there's, like, a lot of people trying to make a product that only works with their stuff, which yeah. is really frustrating. Yeah. Like, like, it sucks that capitalism has leaked into music that hard. Yeah. 
um, it's like a beautiful thing to me that like everyone put their pride aside and said, let's make a thing that works for everyone mm-hmm. except for Yamaha because Yamaha is them. <laughs> and like, there's actually a, Yamaha did their own version of MIDI, which still works universally, but it's a pain in the butt mm. when I am using my Yamaha sample pad and trying to get it to talk to all my stuff. And I have to remember what the offset is of the notes and the channels. And mm. I'm going sounds... to curse that brand forever, but it sounds still very annoying. Stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's MIDI in a nutshell. The elevator pitch is uh, synthesizer can talk to synthesizer and you can send notes out um, and oh, I didn't even mention like the actual note stuff. The big <laughs> thing is like um, where it comes into like you hear like the term like MIDI controller and stuff. Yeah. MIDI is also like it sends the data out as a I can't remember the file name. Doesn't matter. Um, dot MIDI. Let's say dot, dot MIDI. MIDI. <laughs> <laughs> well, dot MIDI is actually something for sure. There's also dot SMF. <laughs> doesn't matter uh uh you have uh the ability to send notes like from one synth to another or from like something that will transmit them Mm -hmm. say like a uh, keyboard that will do that yeah um and you also have the ability to like send notes not just like from one channel like you have 16 channels per uh synth Mm -hmm. and like you know maybe like if you have a bunch of synthesizers connected to each other it's like okay well this one is channel one this one's channel two this one's channel three i want to send a note just to the third one so you send it like you know whatever the note value is between one and twenty uh 127 mm-hmm. which actually ties to the 88 keys of the keyboard expanded mm-hmm. um because midi is base 16 or base 128 i can't remember what are the other <laughs> computing thing um and then yeah, you can just skip over a couple synthesizers to go to one specific one. Mm-hmm. It's the elevator pitch for MIDI for real this time. Yeah, is that synthesizers can talk to each other and you can send them notes the same way you can like have a player piano play a roll of paper. Yeah, um, is essentially the analogy that I like to use. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That was a very incoherent, rambly way to describe <laughs> the history and, and application of synthesis. Yeah, well, I mean I'm... MIDI. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about MIDI. Well, that's right. All, all I, all I really knew about MIDI was kind of the, like controller to computer side of things. Like you can plug in a MIDI controller and play some notes, and it'll show up on like whatever you're using on your computer. I actually worked at a company called Isotope. I don't know if you've heard of them at all. I um, love the name. I'll tell you that. Back when uh, I was in college, and they they make like software for mixing and mastering and they also make some instrument software um so the but the connection i have to midi is that one time for this company i made a little program that would like record midi from a keyboard and then play it back in the software for testing purposes which is pretty cool um but that's all i knew about it like i don't know much more about it than like you can represent notes with numbers and then like but basically what you said like like a player piano it can like read it and know what it's supposed to do well and that's that's the beautiful thing about midi is that the use has expanded so far out of like even music like Mm -hmm. um like guitar hero is actually technically like the five buttons are actually like hitting midi notes and sending to the game yeah that that game's engine is based off of like midi and not just like you know, because it, it was just quicker, cheaper, and easier to do it that way when they first made the game. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's kind of what it is. 
Um, can you so could you like play a guitar hero a guitar hero guitar and like sing it to any instrument through like could you if you had <laughs> I mean theoretically if you had an output to go like USB and then like if it was like running into like a program that would convert like the notes yeah into like whatever thing and then send that out yeah absolutely there's gotta be um, a way well and that's the beautiful thing is that MIDI isn't just notes either mm-hmm. um, there are things called CC which stands for control change values mm. um. And so, like, you see, like, a MIDI controller have, like, a bunch of knobs or, like, faders and sliders and stuff. You can ha- you can adjust those to be various things. So, like, for example, on a synthesizer, you know, say you want to change the filter with a knob instead of having to, like, uh, be limited to just, like, your modulation wheel or something. Or, you, yeah. like, if it's a small synth, um, I have a Dave Smith Tetra, which is a wonderful synth. It's very mm-hmm. tiny. And it has four knobs on it for that are... Um, assignable and then four that are stuck on values cool. i never use yeah and so you know if i want to modulate something crazy on there i look up the cc value mm-hmm. um there are also um pc values which are uh program changes mm. and so you can do stuff like you hit a button it sends out a bunch of uh program changes and then if you have like a synthesizer with presets or patches or what have mm-hmm. you it'll jump to those that's really fun that gets kind of headachy that's a little bit past my pay grade but um <laughs> Because I also just prefer to like go onto the thing and just be like, bup, 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 you're here now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like because of that, because of like CC value changes, um, you can use MIDI, and this is widely done in like uh, theaters and stuff, to control lights. Oh, wow. I never yeah. knew that. Oh, yeah. No, that's actually a really, that's a big deal. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. And then you there's a specific term for that, um, like the lighting MIDI language i can't remember but Mm -hmm. um you know but you can use it to control a lot of things Mm -hmm. um because it is essentially a very basic coding language um like and then um because of where we are now you have programs like you know your daws your digital audio workstations you have your ableton's your fl studios your uh reasons your logics all that fun stuff Mm -hmm. like the thing that i love using in ableton uh back when i used to use that on stage is like you you can assign values to things. Um, you can like have like a knob control like literally anything, and yeah. it's basically a digital expansion of MIDI. Yeah. Um, and there's like I know people who've done animation work and stuff. Wow. Who like they actually use MIDI controllers to like change like somebody's leg walking, like <laughs> the pivot points in like knees and stuff. Wow. Um, and then like basically have a live playback and they do that and it makes it more natural than going frame by frame or setting up Mm -hmm. like an automation of a program um (laughs) maybe it's just yeah and it's like this all came from just wanting to have like you know a synthesizer from roland and a synthesizer from uh sequential talk to each other Mm -hmm. like and then last year uh the council i'm i can't it's like an association i can't remember what they're actually (laughs) called it's like the midi association it's something really boring like the midi council the midi association yeah um they announced midi 2.0 which sounds like a joke um (laughs) why would you need to improve it it sounds so perfect (laughs) well it's it's one of those things like that was like when it came out everybody kind of laughed it's like what's next midi 2.0 but like (laughs) it's one of those things that midi is still stuck in base 16 or whatever it is yeah so there's only 16 channels that you can use Mm -hmm. and then you typically work within the values of 0 to 127 yeah so like if you're using that to modulate say like a filter you'll hear the steps of it going like yeah like you know very subtly sorry very subtly Mm -hmm. but it's still there Mm -hmm. and so midi 2 expands it to the point where it's like between zero and like 
10 five digits of like up to like 10,000 or something like that. Wow. So it's like, you know, it gets really particular mm-hmm. and just like how now there are electronic artists who really do use all 127 values to make like really insane stuff. Mm-hmm. There are going to be people that really take that expansion and run with it. Yeah. I bet. Um, and I'm excited for like, like as an experimental uh, music enthusiast, like we like, like that's going to get really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> it's just going to get really, really nuts in the next couple of years. But mm-hmm. Um, for now, we still have MIDI. We still have uh, that, and it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of, like, I know there's a ton of different types of MIDI controllers. Have you mostly used, like, MIDI keyboards, or have you, like, done, like, you mentioned drumming. Have you done, like, MIDI drum sets and stuff? I'm so happy you asked that, because <laughs> uh, MIDI is kind of the bloodline for my one project, which I've, uh, I'm doing number three, Factual <laughs> Brains, who's just released a new album, Scooter, on factualbrains.bandcamp.com. Uh, <laughs> the sponsor voice. Yeah. Uh, well, now I have to pay you for to be a sponsor. Anyway. Um, uh, so the project used to be a solo project, and it was me and my drum kit and like a pile of electronics or maybe just a computer, depending on uh, what I was going through that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the the connector for it was a sample pad, mm-hmm. specifically the one I've been using. I'm not advertising it, but the Yamaha DTX Multi Twelve. You hate Yamaha, but and yet you still use their. <laughs> so I specifically hate this pad too. Yeah. <laughs> so um, because basically what you do with these things is you uh you hit the pad, and then it like plays a sample you load into it. Mm-hmm. Yamaha, in their infinite wisdom, trying to compete with Roland and Alesis, who make pretty good pads, um, they basically made theirs like a really bonkers MIDI controller. Oh, but okay. in the process, they've made it so the maximum file size that you can have per sample is like two megabytes, which mm. is a couple of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> which is really, really... And then only 70 megabytes total of storage, which is nothing. Yeah. Um, and they like they haven't upgraded that since. And like they've made, it's been the same way since... like. 2011 or whenever this thing mm. came out but what's crazy is like you can have a set you can have a pad you can hit it and it'll either and it'll do either four midi notes on four different channels at four different lengths whatever you want mm-hmm. and you'll either do all those at the same time or you can alternate between those or you can hit it and it'll leave those on until you either hit it again to turn it off or you hit a different pad to mute that group mm-hmm. i'm getting really technological here and i apologize no it's all um, good I hope people are still listening. Um, <laughs> but it's like on top of that, I have um, a foot pedal that does extra stuff. Mm-hmm. So in case like, you know, I need both my hands for drumming or whatever. Wow. Um, and then there's actually a uh, an expression pedal I have connected to it. And so that, what, does, a, real that does a CC value to my synths. It's insane. It's just what? like, it's so cool. You can do this. So what is an expression pedal real quick? An expression pedal is uh, kind of like, kind of like when you're driving like a pedal on a car. Okay. Um, so like, it's not... Or, it's, it's like not yeah. an on off. It's like a you no, can. No, yeah, it's a variable. Like you know, this is hard to put into words and not do visually. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like we're like, moving our. If you're... For, for the listeners, we're moving our hands <laughs> up and down. Like so trying like, to. You know. <laughs> yeah. You see this right? Um, yeah, like if your ankle's all the way down and the pedal's pretty much up, it's at zero. But if your toes are all the way down, it's at uh, full value. Yeah. Um, and but like I use that to right now the setup I have in Factual Brains is I use that to control. I send the notes out from that into an Akai MPC one thousand, mm-hmm. which is a really really powerful sequencer that I love dearly, and then that 
controls both the actual sequencer itself, tells it to like do different things to like um, a, a MIDI file that I have going on there, but mm-hmm. also can pass that and just go straight into um, straight into uh, one of the synths I have in my setup or one of the um, uh, basically MIDI powered anything's. Mm-hmm. On top of that, in my setup I have a uh, Korg KP3 Plus uh, Chaos Pad. Mm. And it's this glowy box that you touch it, and it does cool things, basically. <laughs> oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I've been, seen those before. Yeah. So I actually have that sending signal out to the NPC so I can have it, like, modulate stuff. Sweet. And what we used to do, and it's going to be a while before we can do this again, but it's like we invite people on stage and be like, touch this glowing <laughs> box. And they're like, what's this? And then, like, something different than what's been happening that's... happens. And they're like, ooh. <laughs> that's so cool. Like, you don't have to understand what's going on. We just want to make that fun. Yeah, um, you can still play the, with it. Yeah, it's you know, it's 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 just like none of that would be possible without MIDI. Mm-hmm. Um, and factual brains could be a thing where you know Will and I play to a click track and just like have like a backtrack going. That's fine, mm-hmm. but we want to make it weird, and different, and fun and wacky. <laughs> and yeah. you know. Again, like, you know, if we were 15 drinking a lot of Mountain Dew and just being like, oh, what if we, like, what if, like, the song slows down and then we do this and there's, like, crazy laser sounds? Like, you know, it's <laughs> it's wacky wackiness. Um, <laughs> and, like, this is, like, this these weird wacky magical ideas I had when I was a teenager are possible because, again, some dude in the 80s was like, I want my synths to talk to each other. And that has led me to be a noise drummer turned synthesizer player. And you know, magic is real. Yeah, magic is that, real. From the from the hi hat at your aunt's wedding to the <laughs> MIDI data going across. Oh, the that waves. was such a good way to do that. <laughs> oh, been, holy crap! <laughs> calling it right back. Oh um, wow! So uh, I do have a a, a couple of kind of rapid fire questions here. We're we're getting near the end. Um, but this was super fun to hear all learn all about MIDI and and its history and stuff, but, um, getting into some of these rapid fires, um, some of these might be tough. So cool. You know, uh, but try to answer as quick as you possibly can. Um, what is your favorite instrument to play? Oh, that's really good. Um, (laughs) if the drum kit counts, I'll just say that. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Let's just go drum kit. You have, you have a favorite piece of the drum kit? (laughs) <laughs> um i will the most expensive stuff in my setup are usually my symbols because i always very much care what they sound like mm-hmm. so i'm gonna say my favorite piece right now is my current ride symbol that i just bought which is a minor byzance uh 21 inch polyphonic ride nice nice it's good all right uh next question uh what was the well this is a two-part question what was the okay. first concert you ever went to and the best concert you've ever been to? Ooh. First one's easier than the second one. <laughs> first one, okay, so not counting, like, you know, cool stuff in friends' backyards and stuff when I was in high school. Uh, the first, like, legit concert I ever went to, this is kind of embarrassing, I was uh, 19, I went to go see Flogging Molly. Nice, um, nice. <laughs> yeah, but it was like, it took me that long. Like It's so funny. <laughs> um, best concert I've ever been to, uh, as much as I want to say, like, every Deerhoof show or every time I've seen Dan Deacon. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of coffee and at the time I was drinking um, a decent amount of alcohol and I went to go see Giannis and Gat at May Halls mm. and they turned off the lights and it was just this trio playing like turning on and off lamps. Wow. Um, and it was so beautiful the whole night I cried. Wow. 
Um, I, I think I, I wasn't at that show, but I think I remember hearing about it. And that was yeah. just such. I, I actually opened it for Jonathan Gat last time um, he was in Cleveland. Wow. And that was like a huge honor. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope to get to see that band at least one more time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Love them. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. There's those two. Okay. And then a um, few more here. But you mentioned it earlier, but Desert Island, you're on Desert Island, five albums. <laughs> oh no <laughs> you brought this um, on yourself <laughs> i totally did okay let's go with uh deer hoofs fever 12 16 14 it's a live album mm-hmm. let's go with uh the who uh with tommy nice I, I love that album and i did name drop it earlier yeah um laurie spiegel's the expanding universe right. um, haven't heard of that I, one it's a really, really amazing meditative album. I don't know if this counts, but uh, the Magnetic Field 69 Love Songs, because it's just such a big album. Mm-hmm. There's so much to explore in that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... One more. Oh, God. Uh... What first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> Low with the album Come On. Let's go with that one. I've been listening right. to that one a lot lately. There we go. Uh, very little of that was synthesizer heavy. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, people, people, the music people make is often vastly different from the music they listen to. I hope that's the case. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, here we go. You kind of talked about this before, but um, ideal venue to play and ideal venue to see a show. Um, it'd be really cool if I just named the same venue twice. Uh, <laughs> my favorite venue to play. Um, and this is because I haven't gotten, I got to play one show in October that was super socially distanced and super safely done. Mm-hmm. Um, still didn't feel right to do it. I wouldn't recommend it right now. Yeah. But, um, and this wasn't that, but necessarily, but ideal venue to play for me will always be like a packed house show. Yeah. But like if it had a great sound system and mm. you could hear yourself, mm-hmm. but if it was like a bunch of like, you know people discovering music DIY. One of the best shows I've ever played in my entire life was in Macomb, Illinois, population like 1,500 or 15,000 <laughs> or something like that. But like that was a show that changed my life. Wow. Um, that was actually on the Factual Brains tour we went on in October 2019. Wow. Um, best venue to see a show? Uh, a big wide open room where everybody can see. Um, <laughs> and if there is a mosh pit, like a light mosh pit. Because mm-hmm. if like people are like throwing dukes and like trying to kill each other, I hate that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but if people are like bumping shoulders and everyone's cool with it, yeah. Like no one's trying to body check. It's just bumps. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, doesn't really count. I love seeing shows at the Grog Shop. I'm just gonna give mm-hmm. them a shout out. Yeah. Um, I hope they come back. Yeah. Um, let's say that. Yeah. All right. Sounds That's good. My rapid fire. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I have. I mean. How much time do you have? Because I have a couple more rapid fires. But... I got all the time in the world. I, I love it. Because I'm questions. very curious to hear some of these other other things. So um, post-COVID festival, you know, you got five five bands on the bill. Who's going to be who's going to be on there? Deerhoof, The Octopus Project, Black, Mark, Black, Mo- bleh, Black Moth <laughs> Super Rainbow, Dan Deacon, and... Uh... Factual brains. No. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. I, I, and yeah. If I, yeah. You know, if we're going to dream, why not? I'm going to play with all these bands. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, yeah. It, that sounds realistic. I think that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
COVID is going to be, you know, you got some time. So we'll see what happens. We got some time. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can start booking now. <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. One more, one more rapid fire. Okay. Uh, well, I guess kind of two more, but, but one more of this. Uh, so Franken band, you can build a band of anyone from anywhere. You get four people Ooh. who's going to be in your band. I want to do a funny thing and just like list the same band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could do that. That would be really funny. Um, you know what? The band Flipcoin has been shouted out and also kind of on this podcast a lot. Yeah. So I'm going to say, and uh, Jen and I used to live together mm-hmm. as roommates at one point, and I miss jamming with the two of them. So I'm going to say that they're in the band. Yeah. Um, I'm in the band, too. Yep. Is this a band I get to see or a band I get to be part of? Both. Okay. And I get four other members? Four, yeah, sure. Let's say four other okay. members. Cool. So, okay. Ben and Jen of Flipcoin. Um, and also Ryan of Flipcoin because mm-hmm. he plays bass occasionally these days. I don't know what his relationship is with that band. <laughs> um, he's in the band. I don't know why I'm saying any of that. I'm so sorry, Ryan. I love you. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Ryan. Um, and then I get one more person. I want to do something. You know what? So it's going to be the four of us, and then also, like, a sentient computer okay. that's, like, really encouraging and doesn't okay. know how to play music. Like, it's not, like, a music computer. <laughs> it's just having a great time. Like, just, like, an Apple II on, like, a pedestal or something. Yeah. Um, and we're going to make a noise band. I, f- I feel like this band, like, before I was kind of kidding about the post-COVID fest, but I feel like this band could legitimately exist. <laughs> it might. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I think I might just come up and be like, "Do you want to start a thing?" I kind of have a thing. Yeah, when um, when Ben and Jen hear this, they're gonna be like, "I should reach out to Alec and make this." <laughs> I, th- I feel like Jen's just gonna reach out and be like, "Bro," but <laughs> that's kind of a lot of our relationship is just saying, "Bro," that's not true at all. I don't know why I said that. But... <laughs> Never mind. You, What's you, the next question? <laughs> you you said that's not true at all like ten times during this podcast. <laughs> Did I really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess that's one of my vocal tics. Yeah, uh, no, that's it's it's awesome. All right. Oh, that's um, hilarious. <laughs> and and as we get to the end here, um are there any other non-music related things that because we talked a lot of a lot about music, a lot of 10 out of 10 music things, but any other 10 out of 10 things like movies or restaurants or like Ooh. anything that comes to mind? Um the immediate thing, something I've gotten really into over COVID is the speedrunning community. I've always oh. been a fan, but mm-hmm. specifically, I've been really into uh, Ocarina of Time speedruns. Sweet. Um, I'm going to say watching ZFG get a world record is always a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to ZFG. I'm going to say also, non-music. Uh, when it's like kind of cold out and you're like next to a heat duct mm. and like it's spewing air... It's being hot air and it feels nice and you're reading like a really good book. Yeah. That is 10 out of 10. Wow. Um, you just transported me to that moment. <laughs> that, you know what? I just, I've been trying to be very thankful for like my life lately. I'm trying yeah. to like be less like, one of my New Year's resolutions was like, I'm going to be less of a dick and less just pessimistic. Yeah. Um, so that, like the other day I was just like, this is a really good moment. So I'm going to say that. <laughs> I feel like I need to end it with something funny because I got really deep there for a second. Um. <laughs> I'm going to say the really, really insanely over-the-top, painfully spicy hot wings at Dina's. Okay. Uh, they're the 911 wings, but every time I pick them up, they're like, all right, here you go, 911 wings. And that makes me <laughs> laugh really hard every time. Uh, 
Yeah, it's I, I always wanted to be like, you know, it's like here are not love and rings, never forget, but that's so terrible. Um <laughs> But I, I, I eat those wings constantly. Not constantly, but you know, every time I get to eat this, I'm like, give me the horribly painful spicy wings, that's gonna mess my entire week up. Nine eleven um, wings. That is 9/11 hilarious. Wings. Um <laughs> I feel like I need one more or I could leave it there. You don't need one more if you think of anything, you know. If I think of anything before the end of the call, I'll be like, ah, ah, ah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Yeah. Let's let's call it there then. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's all my ten out of tens that aren't music. All right. Sounds good. Those those three things. That's all. I, oh, I got one more. Got another one. Uh, a really nice pair of socks. <laughs> a really nice pair of socks. Wow. I mean, yeah, you can't got, go wrong. I, I got a bunch of knee high bombas for Christmas. Nice. And like they are like so good. Yeah. A fresh um, pair of socks is always always, always. very nice. Yeah. <laughs> that that that's confidently my ten out of tens. All right, there we um, go. Um, so last last thing here, um, and I think you're gonna have an answer for this. Is there anything you want to promote right now? Anything you want to plug? Absolutely nothing. No. Um, <laughs> like I said, uh, I'm in this. Like I said, about seven times now. I'm yeah. in a band called Factual Brains. Uh, we just dropped an album called Scooter, and you can pick it up digitally, CD, cassette, or vinyl. Um, at factualbrains.bandcamp.com. Um, I'm in another band called Royal Beasts, and we're currently working on our second full length. Um, COVID's been making it very hard to record, obviously. Yeah. Um, but we will have that out hopefully before the end of uh, spring. We were going to try to have it done for the winter, but, you know, time makes fools of us all. Yeah. Um, I have some other projects here and there nothing really notes of anything coming out uh i'm kind of in the band kind of not really in the band uh herzog is coming out with a new album soon mm-hmm. i don't really know the details on that but i thought i would name drop it <laughs> nice. uh flip coins first two eps the red and blue i love them a lot so i'm gonna name drop them i'm kind of <laughs> hoping that just everybody who comes on the show like mentions flip coin at this point yeah it's or happened in flip coin it's it's happened I want to say 50% of the time so far for all the guests I've had. So well, I'm bringing it up to 66. You're helping the ratio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then, yeah, I think that's it for promotions. Uh, I am Alex Schumann, as mentioned. If, if you're listening to this post COVID and you're in a band that tours and you need either a drummer or a bassist or a synth player or sampler player, um or keyboardist let me know i am for hire uh you can find me on facebook um my name is going to be spelled probably hopefully right in the episode description it should be Um, (laughs) and i will probably have a website by this point in time if you're listening to this in the future i really just need to build one uh i think that's it for (laughs) (laughs) self-promotion all right Uh, sounds good i'm gonna ask you do you have anything to promote I don't have any. I have this podcast. That's that's, that's all fair. I got going on. So uh, be sure to check out uh, Ten Out of Ten. You can see it on all your favorite streaming services. You're listening to it right now, so they're already doing it. <laughs> oh, Meta! I love it. Uh, well, Alec, thank you so much for being here. This was a joy to, uh, to talk this was to you. So much fun. Um, uh, thank you for letting me just like shout at you for yeah. the last hour and a half. Like it, it was. It's always fun to hear someone with a lot of energy talk about something they're. <laughs> they're passionate about which is why i started the podcast so um Uh, yeah uh, my jam so (laughs) thank you so much and thank you to everybody listening see you next time